Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the destructive and destroying character and actions of Satan. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's messages. What is salvation? Salvation is to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ from whom thou hast sent, from John 17, 3. It's to know him. It was all about, Adam, I've given you everything so you will be able to bear this temptation. You'll be able to escape this temptation. You'll be able to go through it, not fall under it. My God shall supply or provide all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So here we see that the opponent of God, and by the way, uh, Satan or Satan, and again, another root word meaning to accuse or to stand in opposition of, and isn't that how we see him first appearing in Genesis 3, in opposition to God? Satan stood up against Israel. We see his influence on a man. Now here's Tom Cantor as he finishes teaching us from our Genesis lessons every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Where did he come from? Well, we don't know a lot. But one of the areas that does give us insight is in Isaiah 14. And if you turn to that, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, it gives us a little bit of a background here because the chapter starts speaking about we thought it's the king of Babylon, but then all of a sudden it becomes obvious to us that the king of Babylon is only like a representative for someone different from the king of Babylon, or the king of Babylon just seems to be the representative for this other one. And in verse 12, although it starts off speaking about the king of Babylon, all of a sudden we have a new person who is addressed in verse uh, 12, where it says, how art thou fallen from heaven? So this person fell from heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, so he's been banished to earth, which didst weaken the nations, so we know he weakens. For thou hast said, and now just count up or just look at how many times it says, I will. For thou hast said, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So we see that this is the one who has the aspirations of exaltation. This is the one who is proud. This is the one who lifts himself up. This is the one who is not satisfied in the position that he is and, and sky's the limit for him and especially overthrowing God. And then it says, but then God intervenes in verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. So hell is his home to the sides of the pit. They, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and that did shake kingdoms? I think when everybody sees Satan, they're going to say, that mangy dog. Verse 17, that made the world as a wilderness, so he's a destroyer of the world, and destroyed the cities thereof, so he is a ruiner of cities, that opened not the house of the prisoners, so he loves 
uh, keeping people in captivity. All the kings of the nations, even all them lie in glory, every one in his own house, but thou art cast out of thy grave, like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with the sword, and that go to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden under feet, thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed, again, he's the destroyer, thy land, slain thy people, he kills those who are loyal to him. The seed of evildoers, those, that's his people, the seed of evildoers. His people are corruptors. His people corrupt others. Shall never be renowned. So when we look at this, we understand, we get a full understanding here of this one who is the opposer of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of him in Luke ten eighteen when he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So he's always spoken about in the context of this falling, this falling from a high position as he had there when he was called Lucifer, son of the morning, falling from heaven. But what else is interesting about him, and if you turn to Job chapter 1, you can see more about this one who is this opponent that has appeared on the scene here, Job 1. And this, as I said, is the first time really when he is mentioned in biblical history, because this is the oldest book in the Bible, Job. So in Job chapter 1, verse 6, it says, There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So he reports to God. He gives an account to God. And the Lord said unto him, Whence comest thou? So God questions him. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down in it. So he responds, to God. And the Lord said unto him, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a man perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed his hand, the work of his hands, and his substance is increased uh, in the land. So God brags about, or God's God is proud of his children who resist temptation as Job did. But Satan accuses Job and says that it's only because of all the blessings that you've given to him. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't choose God if he had it on such easy street as Job did? And then verse 11, but put forth now thine hand. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. So he makes proposals to God proposals or temptations. He proposes temptations to God for his children. And he will curse thee to thy face. So he makes promises to God that God's children will fall. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So God gives him ability, but with limitations. God tailors who will with the temptation also make a way of escape. We see all of this in this wonderful revealing discourse that we have about Satan and God. Now, do you remember the part where the Lord looked at Peter and he said, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Remember that? But I have prayed for you pray for thee that thy faith, what? Fail not, right? And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Okay, so what do we learn about Satan from that, what he said there? What do we learn about Satan? That he's against us and that he asks God by name 
to destroy certain of us. That's what he said. He said, Satan hath, Simon, Simon, he said his name twice. Simon, Simon, you, Simon, you by name, Simon, you have been named by Satan to God. He says, that's what he said. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. So we learn that about him. Now, another thing we learn about the devil when we consider all the things about him is that we know in, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that he transforms himself into an angel of what? Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. He makes himself very believable. Oh, it just seems so right. It's so believable. It's so logical. Of course it's right. That's the transformation of the devil into an angel of light. That's why it's so important to be about the work of carefully dissecting, like the cancer surgeon, the truth from the error. Because deception always has to have truth. There's no deception if there's no truth involved, because error and lies is not attractive. Disobey God and you'll be cast into hell. How many takers do we have? But So it has to always come as the curveball. But so much is truth. And so he transforms himself into an angel of light in order to draw the ones to himself. In fact, it says in Revelation 12, 9, he's called the old serpent, called the devil and Satan. And then he says, which deceiveth the whole world. He deceives the whole world. Think about that. He's very successful in what he does. That's why it's very important for us to stay true to him in order that we don't get caught up with that that same spirit of deception. What it does is it explains to us, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.9, it says this about Satan. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Power, signs, and lying wonders. Power, sign, and lying wonders. So this tells us that Satan has power, and we saw that in Ephesians 6, and we need to be aware of this. He has power and signs. That's why when the Lord said the Jews seek after a sign, he was really saying that's a very dangerous position, because Satan has signs. So there's signs, he says he has signs, And lying wonders. Lying wonders. What's a lying wonder? A lying wonder is a wonder that doesn't bring glory to God, but brings glory to a man or brings glory to someone who's not God. That's a lying wonder. A truthful wonder, like the ten plagues in Egypt, was so true and it told the truth that the, uh, the magicians and so forth in Egypt said, that's the God of the Israel, the God of Israel that's destroying our country. They understood who was behind those wonders. It was the God of Israel. They bring glory to the God of Israel, see? Whereas a lying wonder, they wouldn't have said that. So this is the thing that Satan has. He has these three things, power, and he has signs, and he has lying wonders. And oh, that we might be kept from all of those, especially in this day. Father, thank you so much for being so faithful to provide us with everything that we need, that we might live a life of overcoming temptation, a life of godliness, a life that's pleasing to you. And help us, Lord, to, in our own minds, as we open and study Genesis chapter 3, Help us to put ourselves in that place and to see clearly 
what Adam should have done and what we have learned that we would do because of Adam's error. Lord, thank you so much for being our teacher, for instructing us, because you are for us and not against us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, today you talked about the goals of the devil, which is to destroy us. Now, I know myself and many of the other listeners out there have probably thought of the devil as just being God's enemy and a foe that's going to give us a hard time, but maybe not as someone who wants to personally destroy us. Yes, and this is what the Scripture says. And that's why the verse that we covered today in John 10.10 is so important for us to really let it sink deep into our hearts. John 10.10, the thief, that's what he's called. The thief cometh not. This is really referring to his exclusive mission of the devil. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. You know, it says, as we mentioned here, that the devil is a thief, first of all. He has no beauty in himself. He has no wisdom in himself. He only steals the beauty from God. He steals the wisdom and understanding from God in order so he could cook up his deceptions. He is the thief, therefore, and he comes not. He has one goal, one singular goal, and it really is a progression. First, it's to steal. It's to steal not only from God, God's glory, his wisdom, his beauty, his understanding, and so forth. It's also to steal souls from God. The devil did not create man. And like this, and it's kind of like this. If you made it, you own it. And God made us, and he owns us. And the devil comes to steal what belongs to God. People belong to God by virtue of the fact that they're made by him. And he comes not only to steal them, but he has a program. And the program is to kill them. To kill them. He wants to kill them. It's very interesting that whenever I talk to people who uh, say that they've heard voices, terrifying voices, I always stop them and I said, stop. I bet you I can predict what those voices said to you. And he said, and they say, what? And I said, I'll bet you that voice said to you that you should kill yourself. And they said, how did you know? And I said, because it's the devil. And he comes not but for to kill. In other words, the devil is behind suicide. It's a, you, if you take a walk on a tall bridge and you have this like, uh, instinct to like uh, jump or, you know, off of the Empire State Building or something like that. That's the devil because he comes to kill and not only to kill, but he comes to destroy. And that's separate from killing. The Lord Jesus Christ said, don't fear him that can only kill the body. In other words, evil men fear him that has the power to destroy both the body and the soul in hell. That's destruction. So the devil, he gets men to join his side so that they'll fall under the same judgment that is due him. The hell is referred to by the Lord Jesus Christ as a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels that wasn't prepared for man. 
Well, if it wasn't prepared for man, then how does man end up in hell with the devil and his angels? Very simple. Because the devil comes and he deceives man and he causes man to fall into the same proud rebellion that he has fall, that he has fallen into and so be swooped up in the same judgment as the devil. That's how he destroys. The devil does not have the power to cast somebody into hell. Only God does. But he knows. He knows, the devil knows, that unless a person repents, that they'll likewise perish, as the Lord Jesus Christ said. That unless a person falls on their knees before God and and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, that they will be cast into hell. He knows that. So he blinds the minds and he does everything that he can so that the person will be like him, a rebel against God. So he comes to destroy. And then it says, by contrast, by great contrast, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am come. Isn't that wonderful? The first part of this verse talks about the thief coming and the devil does come with an active agenda as we've mentioned. But by contrast, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am come also. But my agenda is totally different. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ said, in contrast to the one who's come to bring death, I am come that they might have life. And not just any life, a life that is extraordinary, out of the ordinary, out of the mundane, out of the monotonous, but a life that's abundant, a life that keeps on giving life and life, that becomes a river of life inside of him, welling up into everlasting life. He said, that's what I've come to do. By contrast of killing, I've come for life. By contrast of destroying, I've come to give it so abundantly that it's an eternal life. It's an eternal, everlasting life. And so that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. Tom, today you talked about what our job is for the lost, and it was quite a list. Uh, Can you elaborate on that? Because when we have jobs, there's always a job specifications or requirements for a job. So as believers, what are the requirements or specifications for our job in reaching the lost? I'm so glad you put it that way because it's true. God has a job description for us as as those who are believers and our job is toward the lost. And it's the, the job description that God has is what we spoke about in the lesson today is in Acts 26, 18, where God spoke to Paul. And God said to Paul, and Paul heard him loud and clear, that that Paul's job, and it's not just Paul's job, it's our job, for the lost is, number one, open their eyes, to open their eyes. That's what we must do, is open their eyes. It says that the, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them which believe not. How is he blinded the eyes? By causing them to turn away from God because God is religion, because God is, is, is suffocating, because God is a picture of, uh, of, uh, of stern women wrapping your knuckles. I mean, that, you know, that's blinding. 
And so we come and we say, that's not God. Let me show you how wonderful God is. And, and, there's, and there's one thing that can open the eyes, and that's the word of God. That's the eye salve that's spoken of in, in Revelation 3. The eye salve that takes away the blindness is the word of God. Open thou mine eyes that I may see wondrous things out of thy law, the psalmist said. So we give them the word of God, and we tell them the truth, and we are constantly like a chef, sprinkling a little salt here. That's the word of God in this conversation. A little salt there, that's where we brought in the word of God in that conversation. Constantly working and working and working like a chef, like a doctor, constantly giving the medicine where they can take Take it where they'll open their mouth and we can get it in, open their eyes. Number two, to turn them from darkness to light. You know, when we gain a good relationship with the lost and we have gained their trust and we've gained the ability to be able to speak to them frankly, there's nothing wrong with saying, you should stop this pornography. You should stop watching these movies that are, to, that are only darkness. You should stop, stop, stop all these things. That's, that's identifying the darkness, but saying, it's not just a kiss, but now come and let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you that he wants to forgive you from your sins. That's turning them from darkness to light. When we get them away from the activities and that is in the darkness of sin and get them instead by our friendship and our fellowship to light and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, from the power of Satan unto God. There we break the teeth of the powerful Satan in prayer. We pray to God, oh God, break the teeth of Satan on this person who's got him in the clutches of his mouth like a lion. Break the hands of the devil that have got got him under arrest so that he'll come out from the power of Satan unto God. That's our job also, is to see that they are brought out from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's the subject of what we talk about. Sins can be forgiven. Here's how terrible sins are. Here's the need for them to be forgiven. Here's how they are to be forgiven. By the great sacrifice, by taking the people to the cross and talking about what was accomplished there and showing them you can receive forgiveness of sins. And then to say, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that's in me. When we speak about the inheritance, have respect for the inheritance. Everybody looks forward to an inheritance, and so should we. We have a great inheritance in heaven that's waiting for us. We speak about that. We speak about the great inheritance to say, this can be your inheritance also. Not just my inheritance, not just our inheritance, but you too. And why not you? This kind of conversation, this approach to the lost is our job description, which is given to us in Acts 26, 18. We are 
to open their eyes. That's our job. We are to pray, God, deliver them and turn them from darkness to light and help them to turn from darkness to light. We are to pray, God, break the power of Satan and put them under the power of God. And we are to speak to them and encourage them to receive forgiveness of sins and to gain this great inheritance that that God has laid up. That's our job. If you want to be full-time about that job to the Jewish people in Southern California, if you want to be the ones who will open their eyes, turn them from the darkness to light, turn them from the power of Satan unto God, bring them to receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance, if you want to be that, then we have a full-time paid job for you in Southern California. You can do all of that and be paid full-time to do this in Southern California. Call us. Call us and tell us of your availability and desire to do this or that you know somebody in Southern California who would like to do this. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom teaches our new Thursday-Friday message series from Genesis. Now, as you heard Tom Cantor speak about, Israel Restoration Ministries is looking for full-time couriers to take the gospel to the Jewish people in Southern California. If you're interested in going door-to-door to reach lost Jewish people with the gospel, please contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. If you'd like any Tom Cantor resources, materials, books, or videos, call us at 1-800-247-3051. Call us if you've got a lost Jewish friend, neighbor, or family member you want to reach with the gospel. We can help get a Tom Cantor DVD and testimony booklet into their hands. You can also find more information at israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow as we study in Exodus.